Jabe from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerd, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. How you doing, Darren? John Trumbull, good sir. Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm doing fine. You know, I heard something very profound before we started. It was, God creates miracles, or whatever. Mm, that was... Wise words, wise <laughs> words from... Wise words from a wise ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darren and I, were, you know, we, we chat a little bit before we officially start recording. We catch up on each other's lives. I was telling him about my week, and Darren said, well, you know, God creates miracles or whatever. And I that's mean, honestly just one of the most inspirational, indifferent quotes I've ever heard. I mean, if that's not on a bumper sticker by the end of this episode, I'll I'll be amazed. Yeah. I dropped gems, people. Gems. So, how are you doing? Good? Doing good. Doing all right. Uh, hanging in there, living the life, chasing the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back into the swing of things with stand-up comedies. Oh, that's right. You had a show last night. How did that go? Uh, went okay. Not too bad. Uh, we had a one guy who was a... I, don't, I mean, I don't know. He was a kind of a problem, but not really. Oh, a kind of I sort mean, of heckler? Kind of, sorta. You know, you know, it's like one of those things where he, he was, he was very loud, and he uh-huh. was like, you know, and he kind of screamed at a few of the, you know, comics, but in a nice way, and he was quiet when he needed to be. So it was like one of those things where he was like right on the cusp of, oh, is he gonna be a problem? All right, no, he seems cool. Oh, what is, he what is yelling at the comics in a nice way? Was was he just like interrupting the set? It was like, you know, you're doing really well. <laughs> Your jokes are very funny. No, was it, it was it like supported heckling or yeah, kind of. It was kind of like when you do the setup of a joke and he'd be like, "Oh, oh, here we go," oh, like stuff like yeah. that. God. Where it's like mm, you're not really like heckling, but you yeah, kind of are. I know, not... I know you think you're helping, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things, and it's one of those things too, where you know I plowed through it, I had a little back and forth with him, and when I got off and I was done, he was like, "Hey, man, you were great, hilarious," and he. He wanted to high five me, so I was like, "Well, I can't truly hate you now, because <laughs> like yeah. you're, you're not. I mean, you're not a, a you're not being that big a dick, but you were kind of dickish." And a, another thing that happened too was where, like, after the show was totally over, he walked up to me and the host, uh, you know, our good friend Jackie Byrne, mm-hmm. you know, f- a former guest of the podcast. Yeah, and he was like, "Hey, you guys were hilarious. I just want to say, th- you know, thanks for doing it. You guys were really funny, and like, I really needed this tonight because, like, you know, I've been." I've been kind of going through some stuff, and I'll, you know, my wife said I need to come out and, you know, get some laughs because I was, you know, a lot of things are happening to me in my life. And he was kind of on the verge of tears too. Oh my goodness! So oh. I was like, so I was like, now nah, I, I didn't know what to make of that. I was like, oh, this is well. Now I can't hate you because then yeah. I feel like a dick. Uh... Exactly. It was like that. It was like, well, all right, now I, you were kind of dickish, but now I, now I see that I've helped you somehow, so I can't be totally mad at you. It was. It's a roller coaster of emotions, and I'm yeah. Bad at sounds like it. Sounds like it. Yeah. I, I remember that that happened in a in a Seinfeld episode where Jerry's doing his set at a club, and I think it was like a, a girlfriend of Kramer's who's like she's laughing a little too hard, and she's going like, "Oh, that's so true. That's so true." And it's like throwing him off. Um, which mm. I mean, and that can happen. That can happen in my uh, when I did. I think it was my first set at Caroline's. Um, a, a number of years back, uh, 
I'm doing the setup for for one of my jokes, and I have like a kind of a moment of silence as I'm leading into it, uh, as I'm going into my Layla bit, and there's this one guy in the audience who goes like, "Yeah," and and I just um, uh, and every time I would watch that video, I'd just be like, "Oh God, I fucking hate you, dude." <laughs> yeah, I mean that kind of reminds me of. Um... Do you remember the there was that sketch? Yep, you have you listened to um uh Patton Oswald album Werewolves and Lollipops? Yeah, of course. That, it's Patton of course. Oswald. Of course I, I've listened to Werewolves and Lollipops. You Patton know, Oswald is one of my favorite stand-ups working today, and I've been a fan of his for uh, geez, going on 20 years now. You know, as soon um, as, you, as I said I've it, heard I Werewolves and Lollipops. Yeah, you're gonna miss everything said, cool and die angry. Yes, exactly. As soon as I said that, yeah. I realized how dumb it sounded. I apologize. <laughs> But yeah, there was that one joke he said where he was like, "Yeah, it, like you, you've heard it. it was like it was a joke where yeah. he's talking about like I guess like him and this girl he was with, and they were kind of going to the uh, to get checked out to see if she was pregnant, right? Right. And like it, it was like a very kind of and, quiet and moment. Gets very quiet, and then you know one guy in the audience just goes woohoo, and Patton's like uh, okay, and then he spends like a couple minutes just putting that guy in his place, rightfully so, and then and then he goes back to his pre range bit, and he's like. You see how it got loud again, literally a second after you did that. You're going to miss everything cool and die angry. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. It's, it's one of my all-time favorite heckler bits. It's pretty fantastic. Because there are people who just can't stand to be in, like, a silent moment for too long. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is about them, but, like, they get they feel very awkward and anxious, I guess. And they're like, oh, there has to be some noise. I got I to gotta scream. Ah! Or so, yeah, like, well, it's like they, they mistake being a, at a comedy show like being at a rock concert you know and right. yeah i mean uh one of my favorite quotes from conan o'brien was he said uh too much of television is energy without purpose and mm. i think this was in, this was in a playboy interview he did back in his light night days um oh. And like somebody was suggesting like stuff like oh you should run up into the audience and tell jokes there and you know, and just so much of like television is just trying to hype up, you know, trying to keep it at peak energy at all times. And it's like, no, you should have like peaks and valleys. Yeah, sometimes you just have to be able to uh, to uh, to to quote uh, Depeche Mode, enjoy the silence. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or yeah, as Billy to... Joel said, leave a tender moment alone. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, we come through with the. The, the, the pop culture references that these kids of today will understand. I mean, cutting edge, cutting edge. <laughs> I mean, uh, we're practically TikTok. Yeah. Um, hey, we're we're going to get into uh, the episode of SNL uh, in a couple minutes. But uh, first, we have a couple of things to talk about. Um, one, I, uh, I, I checked out Murderville this week. Hey, on, what were you thoughts? Yeah. So um, I was I was okay on it. I was like I ran a little hot and cold on it. Um, some oh, okay. episodes I really really liked. Uh, other episodes I was just like, eh, this one doesn't do much for me. Um, okay. Yeah, Murderville. If uh, you you aren't aware of the show or you didn't listen to our show a couple weeks ago when Darren watched it, it's a show with uh, Will Arnett from Arrested Development. He plays a uh, detective, uh, Terry Seattle, and he has celebrity guests on the show as his partners. Uh, but the 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 twist is the celebrity guests have no idea what they haven't been given the script. They have no idea what's going on, so they have to solve the murder that takes place in Murderville. 
Um, they really should change the name of that town. <laughs> that, that's just inviting trouble. Um, yeah, it's like, why is all these murders happening here? And let's see, they had they had Conan O'Brien, they had uh, Kamel Nanjiani, they had uh, Marishan Lynch, they had um, Annie uh, Murphy. Sha- a- Annie Murphy, Sharon Stone, and mm-hmm. uh, Ken Jeong. And Ken Jeong, yes. And uh, so, I mean, for me, it was kind of... I, when it was somebody I really liked as the guest detective... I thought it was cool when it was somebody I didn't know or didn't care about too much, like Marishon Lynch or uh, Annie Murphy. I, I couldn't really get into those episodes, you know? Okay. Fair enough. Fair so, enough. I, I think, I think I like the Conan episode the best. There's a great bit in the Conan episode where uh, the murder they're solving is like a magician's assistant who's been sawed in half for real. And there's a great scene where Conan has to explain to a little girl who is there to see the magic show. <laughs> that the person is dead and he is starts explaining what death is and all that yeah. and it's hilarious that was great that was good yeah it was mm-hmm. pretty fantastic uh but yeah I, I it's a show i really dug i really liked the uh, all the breaking they do and um or, and just just the riffing i thought was like pretty phenomenal and the actual mist and there's i do like the aspect of the fact that you really have to pay attention to what everything that's going around cuz there there mm-hmm. is an actual murder mystery to solve and if you're paying attention to what's going on you can solve it or you could try to solve it so you're kind of with the um the guest um deputy uh you know a partner right you're you're kind of along with them for the ride and you're you're kind of in yeah and and, yes some of the clues are very subtle um and but it's it's cool to see it when they solve the mystery and it's it's a cool feeling when you can solve it uh or you pick up on some of the clues um right yeah I mean, i'd say about half of the people solved it uh properly yeah. i don't want to run down who who did or didn't solve it because that seems like a bit of a spoiler but uh it was it was fun it was, right. uh, i mean it's it's a quick watch it's just six episodes they're like 20 something minutes each so you can polish it off in an afternoon yeah, not bad. That's so not, not too bad. bad. And it was, it was fun seeing people, other comedy people. I'm fans of like uh, David Wayne and Phil Lamar uh, pop up. Right. Yeah. So. Nicole Sullivan pops up. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else popped up? Uh, Rob Rob Hubel. It's a, yeah. Yeah. If you're a, a comedy lo- nerd, a lot of comedy uh, improv people in there because I mean because the scenes they only follow like a loose structure. It's like, you know, I'm sure they're like, okay, well you had to hit plot point A, B, and C and get these clues in there. But then they also have to be able to roll with the unexpected. So that's fun. Right. So, um, yeah, check it out guys. Let us know what you think about Murderville. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, I also watched something, uh, last week. I'll mm-hmm. bring it up real quickly cause it is SNL related. Uh, the movie, I want you back. Now, that's a streaming thing with uh, Jenny Slate, former SNL cast member Jenny Slate, and Charlie Day. And they're, they've both recently been dumped, and they decide to team up to get back at the people who dumped them, right? Right. Yeah, basically, exactly what you said. It's, uh, it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. There are two strangers who have both been dumped by their prospective uh, mates. Jenny Slate was dumped by uh, her boyfriend Noah, played by Scott Eastwood. And uh, Charlie Day was dumped by... His girlfriend, Anne, played by Gina Rodriguez of Jane the Virgin fame. Hmm. And um, then they they kind of meet 
uh, through some happenstance because they both work in the same building. They're on different floors, but they just happen to meet. And then um, they strike up a conversation and a friendship through the, them both being brokenhearted and newly dumped. And uh, of course, you know, they both were, you know, stalking their exes on Instagram as one is want to do. Mm-hmm. And they find out that they're both their exes have already moved on. They're already dating somebody. Um, what is it? Uh, and uh, played by Gina Rodriguez is already dating um, a guy named Logan, played by Manny Jacinto from a little thing called The Good Place, uh, Jason Mendoza himself. Um, yeah, and so basically they see that their exes are already with people, and they're thinking to themselves, "Well, they're both they're both with the wrong person. They they need to realize that we're the ones for them. They've they've made mistakes. They both need to realize that we're we're the ones that are the true love in their lives." So, hey, maybe we what we could do is, like, we could help each other by breaking up the re- each other's ex's relationships. You, you know, you get in the way of my ex's relationship and break them up, talk me up and have him realize I'm the one. And then I'll take talk to your girlfriend and break up their relationship and realize that she's the one for you. So it's basically like um, if Strangers on a Train was a rom-com. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, so, bottom line was it was it good? Uh, yeah, it was actually pretty good. I actually because like I expected it to be kind of like a formulaic whatever rom com. I just kind of watched it out of curiosity, and it was actually a lot sweeter, a lot more clever, and uh, a lot more a lot funnier than I thought it'd be. And uh, well, that's you know, nice. That's that's yeah. always nice when something exceeds your expectations like that. Yeah, it's like it has a lot of charm. Very charming. Has a lot of heart. That has a lot of good. Uh, I mean, Charlie J. Charlie Day is always really funny i'm a huge it's always sunny philadelphia fan so like i i enjoy his sense of humor and uh yeah it was, it was pretty great and also uh spoiler alert if you if anyone knows another snl connection uh pete davidson makes an appearance in this film too oh well there you go yeah, well, yeah. Cool. okay well, so yeah so check that out on amazon prime guys yeah i want you back let me let us know what you think guys i, I thought it was pretty charming pretty funny and um i warmed my heart so uh, let's get into uh, the latest episode of SNL. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, John Mulaney and LCD Sound System. Uh, this is the episode from February 26, 2022, season 47, episode 13. Yes, uh, Mr. Mulaney coming back fifth mm-hmm. time, five times the charm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, this is... Quite an episode for him to come back to, just because everything that's been happening in his life, the fact that this is his fifth time hosting, yeah, and I mean, of course, the uh, the you know the horrible events that's been happening in the Ukraine earlier this week. This was uh, a lot of eyes were on the show this week. I, I think I could say just was, was a lot. This was a big week, and uh, yeah, and they right from the cold open, they of course addressed that because that's the biggest news story of the week. And uh, they went with uh, just a very restrained, sincere opening. They had the Ukrainian chorus Dumka of New York uh, singing. And I thought that was a, a really nice way to address it. I honestly had not guessed uh, that they were going for sincere for the opening, I, just because I hadn't thought about it really. Mm. Um, but uh, it really worked. I thought it was lovely. Right, yeah. Uh, they sang a song. It's was, it was like one of the shortest cold opens we've had in a while it was like almost two minutes and that was it yeah um so they sing the song prayer for ukraine they're introduced by uh kate and cecily and uh, yeah it's just this really beautiful 
uh, song sung by the Ukrainian uh, choir. And then it's just mm-hmm. Kate and Cecily coming back saying live from New York. It's Saturday night. We see mm-hmm. that the um, there are some candles in front of them that spell out Kiev. And Kiev. Kiev. I'm sorry. Yeah, we that that's the Ukrainian pronunciation. It's the one syllable pronunciation. Kiev is apparently the Russian pronunciation. So Oh Jesus. All right. Yeah. Whoa. All right. I, I did not know that. I, I take that right on back. Apologies. Well, this was a teaching moment. Okay. This is how we learn. This is how we learn. This is how we learn, people. Yeah. No, it it took me a while. And the spelling is different too. It's like K Y I A, is that correct? Um I thought it was K Y No, wait, there's gotta be a V in there. Yeah, KY. Is it a KYVIV? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, Something like that. I, I, I'm not used to seeing it written that way, but it's apparently, yeah, the other way is the Russian spelling. So, yeah, we okay. want to avoid that. All right. So I thought, yeah, okay, KYIV. Okay. There we go. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is something we've talked about before in a podcast about um, how do we feel about, you know, serious, you know, somber, cold opens. Uh, you know, on the show. Um, yeah. I guess, like, I think we've said, like, we can kind of go either way on it because it, oh, it is yeah. difficult to sort of have to, like a serious somber opening and then go into a comedy show. I think, I think this was an instance where it really worked because I think largely because they didn't make a meal of it. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I only want the show to go sincere like few and far between. I thought like when they had Kate McKinnon as Hillary singing uh, the Leonard Cohen song, Hallelujah, after Trump was elected, I thought that was a bit much. Uh, um, yeah, I could see that. And I know, think I, under- I, I totally understand why that people well, why that hit people hard, but it was not a national tragedy on the scale of like 9-11 or uh, or the Russian invading Ukraine. Um, so. Yeah, I could see that. I was trying to think how, you know, that, like you said, the, I mean, I guess it's pretty much infamous at this point. The uh, yeah. the opening where Kate was playing Hillary singing Hallelujah, that was yeah. kind of, I mean, that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Um, but whereas this one, everybody is, you know, very positive. And I think the difference might be is because, it's like you said, like it wasn't that long. They didn't make a meal out of it. They didn't like really milk yeah. it. And also the fact that it was the um, Ukrainian chorus. And so it's like people yes. who are sort of directly impacted by, you know, the, this horrible tragedy or this horrible, right. you know, events that are happening. It's, it's just, I guess it was the same way that when they had the 9-11 opening, you know, back in 2001, mm-hmm. they had actual firefighters and police officers and, you know, EMT and, you know, uh, emergency workers on the stage, and that like, mayor guy. Yeah, well, let's not let's not bring him up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's why I didn't name him. <laughs> oh, smart. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I think there's something to when you have people who were directly impacted by you know the the horrible mm-hmm. events that it's it's a little bit more respectful and a little bit more heartfelt and earnest than you know, yeah. I I like that they went to the effort to. Uh, find them and put them on the show. And again, I, I love that it was only two minutes. I hope that they go, they, they continue having shorter cold opens. It was having a short cold open made such a difference to the show. I thought. Yeah, it was absolutely. So, it was so nice not having like a big seven minute monstrosity. Yeah, no, this was, 
just two minutes, get the message in live from New York. Yeah. We're out. It does. That's all you need. That's all you need. I, I'm all for shorter cold opens. Like, I mean, I'm, a, four, I'm assuming that five minutes max. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they had to make it shorter because of uh, two sketches that happened later on the show, but we'll get there. So I think yeah. it, it was probably out of necessity, but I do, I'm, I'm with you. Like if, you know, I, I, I think shorter cold opens just, to mm-hmm. get in, introduce what you got to introduce and get out are, are the way to go. And I think the other reason to have a short cold open was because you got John Mulaney hosting. You got, you want to have him do a nice long stand-up set. And he came out, he did uh, seven minutes of his monologue, came out with his hand mic, which I always love that whenever our stand-up hosts, they got a hand mic for the, for the monologue. It's the only way to do it. It's, it's yeah. a thing. Yeah. I mean, guys, it's a thing. Like if you're doing, if you're a stand-up comedian and you're doing com- comedy without a microphone, it feels weird. It's you don't the know weirdest to- thing. Yeah. Like I'm, I've only done it maybe like once or twice and it is, you don't, you don't know what to do with your hands. You, yeah. It's uh, it's like, it's, it's a whole nother beast. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Um, So he came out and said, you know, after a very complicated year, it's great to be in a place that's always emphasized sobriety and mental health. Um, (laughs) Great line. Great line. He he talked about his intervention uh, and it'll be real familiar to people who saw his segment on uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers uh, last year, a few months back. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, and I, I liked how he talked about how he had six friends there in person and then six friends over Zoom. Yeah, and he was, yeah, and he was like, well, if you really cared about me, you would have flown in. Yeah, and he's like, don't worry, I played that card <laughs> multiple times. Uh, he, he also briefly mentioned the insurrection. He was like, you know, hey, that happened when I was in rehab, you know, because I wasn't around, not on my watch. Pretty good. Did, did they have one before I went to rehab? No. Did, did they have one after I came back? No. <laughs> uh, I mean, th- that was great. And the meat of his monologue was he was talking about how in rehab they make you uh, delete the number of your drug dealer and block them. Uh, yeah, this was a great story. I mean, that's a thing. It makes total sense. And he, he talks about how he was basically breaking up with his drug dealer, Arvin. I shouldn't have said his name, but whatever. <laughs> oh, boy. And and he's and Jumbley is so polite. He was he was just kind of like, well, thanks for all the nights that turned into mornings. <laughs> and, and his drug dealer was so polite. He he texts back. Uh, I'm so proud of you that you're getting cleaned up. Yeah, and it emerges that his drug dealer apparently wasn't a drug dealer until John Mulaney started asking him for drugs. Wow, because <laughs> he said like, "Yeah, I I gave you drugs because right. I didn't want you to get like worse stuff off the street." Yeah, I was worried about your safety, so so I got you drugs. And he's actually a painter by trade, and John Mulaney's like. So then how did this happen? And the drug dealer's like, I don't know. You just kept asking. So apparently he turned a man into a drug dealer. Wow. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Uh, this this was an incredible set. <laughs> yeah. 
I yeah, I love this set. I love that joke. I love that story. It was uh, yeah, it's pretty solid. Pretty That's solid. terrific. And you know, I'm sure he's doing this. He's on tour right now. And oh man, I'd love to uh, go see him. But I know his shows are shit selling out super fast. So yeah, he added some. He added some new shows, but I'm pretty sure yeah. they're going to be booked up. And he also had some jokes about his. Uh, now that he's a new father, he has, of course. Mm-hmm. Got to make some dad jokes, and he had some new right. jokes about his new son uh, Malcolm that were that were pretty yeah. great too. Twelve weeks old, and he was talking about how Malcolm's favorite pacifier was discontinued. He's he's like looking at them longingly because they have a, a backlog of them. And he's like, "Oh, I'd I'd love to have that, but I know it could kill me." <laughs> like, yeah. Well, welcome to my world, kid. It's pretty good. Like, uh, pretty great. Actually, I kind of wish this this was longer. I was really enjoying yeah. this uh, monologue. I mean, I would have loved more, but I love what we got. It was a, it was a seven yeah. minute set. It was really solid. Not a not a bad joke in the bunch. Um, and at this point, we're only ten minutes into the show, so we're moving along at a good clip. I I really liked it. I I thought that was great. Yeah, I hear you. And actually, like at this point, like after uh, his monologue, like there's like a little voice in my head that was like, "Oh, he didn't mention the five times club. Are they are they not going to do it?" And uh-huh. then. And then uh, I was like, oh, patience, young Darren. Yes. Patience. (laughs) Yes. Um, So anything else to say about the monologue? No, fantastic monologue. Uh, Thumbs up. No notes. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Go check that out. Um, So our first sketch is called Monkey Trial. It's a courtroom scene. Um, Melissa is playing a person who's gotten mauled by her neighbor's wild monkey. You know, and you see this and you think, oh, this sketch again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so Melissa is suing her neighbor. Um, Keenan is the prosecutor. Uh, Cecily's the defense attorney. And they find out that Judge Tango is presiding. And it's John Mulaney and like Planet of the Apes type makeup. And right. he's a monkey judge. <laughs> Just, I mean, how do you come up with this idea for a sketch? It just seems like you just grab two random words and put them together and be like, I'll make a sketch out of this. Uh, Monkey and judge. Monkey judge. Great. All right. Monkey judge. And it's just, you know, and it's basically like how you have to act very cautiously and deliberately around a monkey or like a chimpanzee because they're certain things set them off and they're they're very strong. So, (laughs) yes. Like I think at one point, Mulaney says, oh, the court recognizes the uh, collection of colorful shapes coming towards me. Yes. And, uh, and, and he like gets Melissa's story and he's like, okay, so you were wearing a different hat. You're walking up to this monkey with a different shape and you're surprised by what happens. <laughs> yes, of course. And, uh, Good of course, he, yeah, and of course, uh, Melania does things like throw sh- sand at the uh, prosecutor to show dominance, mm-hmm. and um, it was, yeah, this was, I mean, it was a, I don't know, like, I, I, I dug this sketch, but, like, part of me yeah. was kind of surprised this wasn't in later on the show, like, maybe even the 10 to 1. It's a, it's, it, it's it was a, weirder than you expect a sketch to get early in the show, but I liked it, because I thought, I thought it was a strong sketch, um, I thought it was nicely absurd. It reminded me of Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer in a good way. <laughs> Your Honor, I'm a caveman. I'm just a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> Your modern technology frightens me. Um, I think the 
I liked how uh, Cecily's defense attorney was sort of subtly sucking up to the judge. She like she puts on a mask and she's like, "I'm wearing perfume, but I just want to assure you that I'm not fruit." Yes. <laughs> and she she gives him a piece of cake, uh, which he likes, and then she's later in sign language, like signing, like you know, uh, uh, attorney love judge. <laughs> <laughs> I love judge. I love yeah. judge. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I thought was holding it back a little bit was like that Cicely's face mask was not uh, fitting her properly for some reason. So it kind of forced her to hold it with one hand. Um, yeah. But I thought the, we rolled with that pretty well. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too distracting. And yeah, uh, yeah like, um, I don't know, I thought it was like a nice, silly, like absurd, t- like, like, like you said, it was, it reminded me of a sketch from maybe 80s SNL or something, or mm-hmm. maybe even 90s. But uh, yeah. it was. It was just absurd enough to just be like, oh, this is this is pretty fantastic. Yeah. I mean, this is what I love about uh, Mulaney coming on and hosting is that the the writing always takes a noticeable uptick when he comes along. He obviously like rolls up his sleeves and writes sketches with everybody. And it just his sensibility permeates the show. It's just always fun. And that's why I look forward to him hosting so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, so far, so good with this show. Thumbs up. It's a really good show so far. Um, next, we had a pre-tape uh, called Blue River. This was a bit of a callback sketch to uh, a sketch from 2014 that Cecily did with Seth Rogen, where they're talking about their new dog food, Blue River dog food, which is like one of those high-grade dog foods along the lines of Blue Buffalo. Uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that sketch. I, um it wasn't until after it came on and like the next day, uh, you know, I was doing research for this podcast and then I saw somebody mention like, oh, this is like a, a callback to that Seth Rogen sketch that mm-hmm. Cecily did back um, in 2018. Yeah, it was like 2018. 2014. 2014? Oh, I wrote that yeah. Oh, I'm looking at something else. Yes, you're right. 2014. Yeah. Um, so I, then I went back and looked at that one and I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this. I really liked I- that sketch too. I'd forgotten how great that was. I mean, Cecily just freaks out because they weren't, they only just started buying the high grade dog food. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, what were we even doing? And, and, and <laughs> Seth Rogen's trying to calm her down. It's great. Go back and check that out. Just do a search for Seth Rogen and Blue River SNL and you'll find it. Yeah. Um, great stuff, man. Yeah. Cecily does some really good like character work in that sketch. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's a home. So yeah, so this uh, sketch, the new Blue River sketch, mm-hmm. is a is a playoff off of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, then we see Cecily as that same character meeting up yeah. with a friend of hers, Heidi Gardner. Uh, we see that Heidi's buying the inferior brand of dog food, and Cecily Strong is getting the uh, Blue River dog food, which cost uh, seventy four dollars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, seventy three ninety nine, sir. <laughs> Yeah. Get your facts straight. And you know, you know, it only costs 32 cents more a day uh, in every month. So, and, yeah. so she's she's like doing the math, just sort of just pummeling Heidi with, with this and just like, you really need to switch. And they, of course, have hilarious cutaways to the dog, the little pug dog. Um, I mean, look, I'm happy every time they give us a Cecilian dog sketch. If they just change the SNL to Cecily Strong plays with puppies for an hour and a half. I would still watch and enjoy the show just as much, if not more. 
Yeah. I mean, what would we what would we call the show? We can't call it SNL. Like Cecily Strong plays with puppies for an hour and a half. That's like a way longer. Uh, you know, you you have to be like we we could call it S C S P W P F H A H. Yeah, that's fine. That's too Let's long go for with that. A, that's too long for a, a t-shirt. We can't do that. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, um, but I mean, I I enjoyed this. I thought it was really funny. Um, I loved that John Mulaney was in there wearing a jaunty cap, mm. <laughs> the newsy cap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just love, I I just love the 1940s newsboy energy that John Mulaney brings to the show. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty know, fantastic. He, he just comes on and he's like, "Hi, honey. I'm here to talk about the dog food." And <laughs> yeah. And of course, they both, um, you know, are kind of chastising Heidi's character for buying the inferior mm-hmm. dog food, saying like, "People like you should be hung up in the square." Yeah. This is why your dog can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, she's like, "Oh my God, that's she. Her dog can't walk. That's the dog food. That I never thought about it that way." And it's like yeah. we just see Cecily kind of spiraling more and more into like you know guilting Heidi yeah. into buying her the better, more expensive dog food. We see uh, Chloe come up holding a rabbit saying like, yeah. why don't you, buy, why don't you love your dog? Get her the more expensive dog food. <laughs> and then, and then the absurd touch at the end of just John Mulaney saying to Cecily, I'm finally ready to make love to you. And she's like, Oh baby. Oh, we can go really slow. And, yeah. just, and now, now suddenly we're just off on a tangent about this couple's sex life. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I guess John's impotent now. What's going on here? <laughs> but he's, he's so turned on by her talking about dog food that, yeah, uh, I thought this was great. Uh, very uh, funny stuff. Yeah, I thought it was good. I kind of liked the... I think it might have worked better as a live sketch. I don't know. For some reason, when I watched the old sketch from 2014, yeah, I thought the energy there was a little bit better than the pre-tape. I, I, th- I think it could have worked as a live sketch, but I think it worked as a pre-tape as well. I guess mm-hmm. uh, just technically they decided it was better to do it as a pre-tape. I guess so. But I, th- I think it would have worked just fine as a live sketch. Yeah. Um, the, the Seth Rogen sketch from 2014, it was made all the more hilarious because they did just these periodic cutaways to the dog. <laughs> and, yes. you know, of course, the dog has no idea what's going on, but it's yeah, Aww. it was very funny. There's a cute little pug. It's like, oh, hey, hey, hey buddy. Hey, buddy. Yeah. I, I just love seeing adorable doggies on SNL. That's, That's just always fun. Yeah. So, and this, this is now two episodes running. We've had a nice dog sketch. They, the, I think somebody at SNL is listening to our podcast. <laughs> well, look, you know, hey, anytime you give us a Cecilene dog sketch, I'm a happy man. So next, I'm a happy man tonight. Next up, Kyle Mooney as Lude Zealand. Yeah. Oh, from your lips to Lauren's ears. <laughs> Make um, it so, Lauren. Make it so. <laughs> Hashtag Kyle for Lude Zealand. Ah, uh, so next uh, we had a sketch called COVID Dinner Discussion. Um, this was also a bit of a callback sketch. I didn't go back and watch the earlier one, but they did another one like this I, along these lines that was about an awkward dinner conversation. Yes, I, I, I watched that one. And this is the one that was from 2018. This is from uh, the Will Ferrell hosted episode. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, basically it hits the same beat. So back if you go back and type in like SNL Dinner Discussion, uh, you'll see it's basically, you know, six friends around in a restaurant having dinner. And one of them, of course, brings up, uh, you know, what happened uh, with uh, Aziz Ansari and like how, 
Yeah, it was uh, around that time when the Yazid Ansari uh, 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 incident, I guess I'll say. Um, it, it, yeah, some certain issues arose and, yeah, it created a bit of a public debate because, yeah, this one woman had a, a date with NC's Ansari. He was very aggressive in trying to get sexual with her. And then, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and again, it was like basically how having a discussion about that is very awkward. You it's, know, in, it's a minefield. It is because yeah. you want to be you want to be respectful, but at the same time, you want to bring up a discussion about it. But you feel like if you're bringing up certain questions, it feels like you're excusing his behavior in some way or, or and, belittling that woman's yeah. experience. And yeah, and it's like, well, was he getting rapey? Was he, or was he just really, really trying to get laid? Careful. Yeah, yeah. Careful. It was like, the, yeah. yeah. So basically, it was like that. In uh, this sketch, where now we're talking about uh, you know the mask mandates, because basically it's yes. like six friends getting together, and uh, Heidi's the one that says, "Oh, you know, I heard this interesting, uh, you know, article. I read this interesting article online saying about how you know the mask mandates had very little to no effect on COVID." Yeah. And of course, immediately everybody tenses up, like, "Oh, yeah." I mean, the and the lighting changes, and we we get like neat increasingly surreal touches of people like sort of punching out of the conversation. Uh, like yeah. uh, Kate McKinnon has like a little miniature elevator whose doors close in front of her face. I think my favorite moment was uh, Heidi, like actually taking an infinity gauntlet and dusting herself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, that's actually kind of a nod to the, the original sketch I did back in 2018, where instead of the infinity gauntlet, Heidi had like, um, I guess it's this book with like a pentagram on it. And she uh -huh. like sprinkled some like some dust on it, and I guess she was like reading from it, and then she like dusted away and disappeared. So I guess she she disappeared through black magic. It's really impressive that they pulled that off on the live show. I don't know if they did that effect live somehow, or if that was just like an insert shot that they pre-taped and stuck into the sketch. But however they pulled it off, it it worked wonderfully. Right, exactly. The the one shot where uh, John Mulaney was pulling out his own tooth with pliers. Yeah. <laughs> And, that um, was a thing. That was a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I dug this sketch because it is a mm -hmm. thing where, like, you want to have an open discussion about, you know, how effective were all the things we did to avoid yeah. COVID were and, like, you know, how we did outdoor dining, but that was basically just them building a smaller restaurant in the street. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, do we even need the mask? And it, like, you want to bring up things like that, but you, can't because if you do you sound like an anti-vaxxer and people right. automatically think you're anti-science so it's it's, yeah. it's like a it's a, it's a thin tightrope you got to walk where you want to question what you're doing but at the same time you got to assure yeah. everybody no i'm i'm boosted and i'm vaxxed and like i, I believe in the science but at the same time i have questions because when you have questions people are like Ooh, i'm just I... asking questions i'm just asking oh questions, boy oh Karen. boy <laughs> yeah i Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm a white man with a podcast. I have to ask questions. <laughs> oh, oh, you still have the cut for time sketch. Yeah, no, I gotta, I gotta do my own research on this. Oh stuff. boy. Um, oh, oh, I'm so, I'm sweating. It's so hot. <laughs> yeah, so this is good. Um, I, I like this again. I liked the surreal, absurd touches. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and of course they ended with Mulaney saying like, "Oh, we can't be like this. We got you know and." Him trying to sort of bring everything together and then him saying, hey, you know, when an anti-vaxxer uh, gets it, I get happy. 
I can relate to that feeling. Um, oh, oh boy, Shaden Freud. Um, and hey, speaking of COVID, uh, that's also the topic of our next segment on the show. We <laughs> don't destroy a sketch called uh, "Good Variant," um, which is just oh. the police don't destroy boys watching the news, and they discover that there's a variant of COVID. That's mutated so hard, it actually makes you feel good. Yes, it comes from the beaches of Cabo San Lucas. Mm, yeah. And um, so. they, they call it the Galvini uh, variant. I was trying to figure out why they named it that. I don't. I thought maybe it's like the name of a like a writer or a, a props guy or something, but I couldn't find I, anything. No it. idea if that had any significance. Um, yeah, I didn't think to uh, look into that, but uh, maybe it's just a, a fun, nonsensical word. Galvini. Sounds right. like a nice pasta. I guess so. Ooh. But, uh, yeah, so, the... so they're, they get excited about this as they find out about this, and, and we have a, a nice surprise Paul Rudd cameo who disco- who's discovered that the new variant actually makes you play the synth really well. <laughs> so we got, we got Paul Rudd playing the synthesizer and doing a few dance moves, and that's always fun. Right. We see um, Sarah Sherman as like the COVID nurse testing, swabbing everybody's nozzle, and it's like, oh, you got it, and you got it. And it's like yep. literally them, everybody partying in the writer's room because they all have this awesome new strain, uh, right. this awesome new variant called Galvini. Al, Al Roker comes in with a party sub. Um, <laughs> Al Roker makes an appearance. That's when you know a party's off the hook, when the rope comes in. Roker! And like it's them doing... Sh- and he's like doing like Jaeger bombs and all these shit mm-hmm. shots and shit. Uh, he's, no. he's doing Edward 40 hands where you tape two 40s to your hands and you can't get the, the tape off your hands until you finish both of the 40s. I, I mean, I, I've heard of that. I've never done that, but I have heard of it. And it just it just seems yeah. like it just seems like trouble. I don't think that game was invented until after my college days. And that's probably the last time I could have safely done that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> if I, if I did that at age 49, I think I would be taking my life into my hands. Yeah. We, you, we'd have to uh, have an intervention for you. Zoom in people from LA. Yeah, uh, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I only know like six people in LA. So. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I mean, this sketch is uh, the, the frenetic energy of this sketch, really. And this was only, like, what, two minutes, three minutes? Something like that. Yeah, it's a short sketch, yeah. but it's... They, they pack in a lot in that two or three yeah. minutes. Yeah, it's like three minutes, 17 seconds on YouTube. So it's... It, it really moves, and it's... Again, I keep saying this, but a lot of nicely absurd touches. They, like, it makes you grow long, luscious locks, and then everybody's in wigs, including Roker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they look on their phone to see uh, Fachi hooked up with Sawiti. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Pokemon are real, uh, but then they're attacking the Capitol. But then they discover that they're actually just attacking the Capitol to pass legislation for free Xboxes for everyone. Yeah, uh, I think at one point, the, uh, Sarah Sherman tells Martin that, oh, he tested positive, but for anal worms. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, so... So, you know, get yourself tested for anal worms, guys. That's what we're saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, get, uh, yeah, yeah. Get, get that <laughs> colonoscopy. Don't put that Yeah, uh, Yeah, have the doctor stick it up the butt. <laughs> for health! For health! 
you know, or or for fun if you're yeah. into that sort of thing. Hey, whatever, man. Whatever floats yeah. your boat. We're not, gonna, we're not here to kink shame. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this sketch. Uh, I love the energy of this sketch. It's uh, mm-hmm. it goes there. It's pretty. Fantastic. I thought that was yeah. pretty great. I mean, just Al Roker playing Edward Forty Hands is just a, a hilarious concept in and of itself. And you know right. what a sport Al Roker is, right? And uh, then they did something at the end of the sketch that I haven't seen SNL do in a while, where they transitioned from that sketch to the next sketch, which is very, uh, uh-huh. very kind of Mr. Show Monty Pythonish. Which yeah, again, that, that's a good point. Yeah, we actually open up on the next live sketch with them watching that on their monitor uh yeah that that was a cool touch yeah and of course we see in their five timers robes mr steve martin mr mm-hmm. paul rudd and mm-hmm. mrs candace bergen yes all five timers mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of funny uh candace bergen not entirely certain who john mulaney is yeah. <laughs> and he says, well, if you have a niece or a son who's bad at sports, they might know me. <laughs> Which, I think John Mulaney knows his fan base. He does. He does. <laughs> yes. O- awkward, nerdy dudes and, and ladies. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh, and I like how, after a little bit with Paul Rudd, he just, uh, John Mulaney just says, Paul Rudd exits <laughs> and Tina Fey <laughs> enters. Because he has that power as a writer. Right. And as she does, enters Tina Fey. We get Tina yes. Fey up in here. Tina Fey, always, always fun to see Tina Fey, uh, who's also in the Five Timers Club. I mean, the Five Timers Club is getting pretty full, which I think was half the point of the sketch. Right, absolutely. I also liked in this sketch where um, when Mulaney walks into the, the room, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Martin greets him by calling him Megan Mullally. Yeah, that was fun. That was I thought fun. it was like a nice little touch. I also love that Steve Martin is holding his pipe backwards throughout the entire sketch. Never commented on. <laughs> I also liked how um, Tina Fey has a drink called a Five Timers Fizz, which mm-hmm. has Dustin Timberlake's tequila, Dan Aykroyd's uh, vodka, vodka. Yeah. and uh, Tracy Morgan's club soda, which is actually just um, uh, aquarium, aquarium water. Yeah. And then John Mulaney goes like, oh, my God. Dan Aykroyd has a vodka? Yeah. L- listen, guys. Just, a, just random shot of Dan Aykroyd yeah. in his crystal skull vodka. Yeah, um, and, and actually, if you look at it, there's a quick shot to Paul Rudd, who walked his way back into the room, and he's yeah. you know looking through the People magazine with him on the cover as Sexiest Man. You see on the uh, on top of the dresser, there is a bottle of Tracy Morgan club soda with a picture of Tracy Morgan on it. Yeah. I like the, that attention the, to detail. The props and the set dressing people really did a nice job on this sketch. I mean, that was fun. Um, and then, yeah, we, we bring up Sexy's Man Alive, Paul Rudd. And then and, and Steve Martin's like, no, please. That's the last year. I'm talking about the new Sexy's Man Alive, Elliot Gould. And, and we see Elliot Gould sitting in a chair reading, what was it, like Harry Man magazine? Yeah, that's surprising. I did not expect to see uh, uh, Elliot Gould in this episode. That was a genuine shock. Elliot Gould, I mean, he was he was a mainstay of SNL uh, hosts in the early days and in the first five years. I mean, he was he was probably the first SNL go to host. He might be the first repeat host. I'd have to look that up. He hosted, but, yeah, he hosted like six times, twice uh, in the same year, and like uh, actually, yeah. no, I think he hosted twice in '76 and twice in 1980. So he's wow. he's up there. 
Well, yeah, like, still, I did not expect to see... Like, I genuinely was like, oh, shit, Elliot Gould! <laughs> Look, I'm always happy to see Elliot Gould pop up most anywhere. You know, he popped up in the Friends reunion, I was like, hey, it's Elliot Gould! And he popped up in this, and I was like, hey, it's Elliot Gould! And uh, it was also fun to see him... I also, got, like, briefly wondered, like, oh, is, is his health okay? Because he was seated for most of the first part of the sketch. And then he gets up and you see him kind of struggle up in that middle-aged man way. I, and yeah, I, just, I, I did notice that. I was like, oh, is he all right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's gotta be what around 70, something like that. If that. Um, so yeah, he's, he's getting up there and I was, and I, I did put out the request on Twitter. It was like, yeah, please send us a gif of Ellie Gould getting up out of his seat. <laughs> Get on it, internet. Because that is that is how I get up out of chairs half the time now. So. I just slowly get up and I make that noise like, Ugh. Yeah, you make that involuntary like, oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> production. Elliot Gould, 83 years old. 80. Okay, he looks freaking great for 83, man. Right. And I also like the nod that, um, to uh, Mulaney's old show when he tells talks to Gould, like, hey, Hey, Elliot, remember that that show we were in together? Yeah. And remember then, when I, you were on my sitcom? And, and he just goes, should I? Uh, poor Mulaney. <laughs> and there, there's also a little uh, shout out to the stage show that Mulaney did with... Um, oh, Kroll. Kroll. Yes, yes. Um, you know, oh, hello. So, uh, which which had celebrity cameos, I understand. So, for all I know, Elliot Gould may have been one of those people. Maybe, maybe. You never know when you're going to get an unexpected Elliot Gould, is, is what I'm saying here. That's right. So uh, we got an unexpected Elliot Gould, and mm-hmm. lo and behold, we get an unexpected Conan O'Brien appearance. Inventor of the Five Timers Club. I mean, yeah. Uh, Conan O'Brien coming in and just uh, the, the, the camera screwed it up a little bit. I think they fixed it for the YouTube uh, I think they did a little judicious re-editing there because, yeah, the camera was not on Conan coming in through the door, which was unfortunate. But yeah, it's weird. Like they show they they show him coming in because, like, I think, like you said, the whole premise of the sketch was that, like, the Five Timers Club is getting full now, and I think mm-hmm. Steve Martin says, "Yeah, I don't know if we can let you in because now everybody's in here, so it's now it's not as special." Right. And of course, then Conan says, "Did somebody say not as special?" Camera yeah. points to Conan, he comes in, camera immediately cuts to another camera shot of everybody yeah. else, and then it cuts back to Conan. There's a there's a little bit of a kerfuffle there. Yeah. Uh, and it's always noticeable when that happens on SNL, because it so rarely happens on SNL, because, I mean, the, the camera crew is very, very, very good at their jobs. So it's it's unusual and surprising whenever something like that happens. But yeah, that was a, that was a big old boof. And then... Yeah. And then, of course, we have uh, Conan coming with some lines, and then he stumbled over some of his lines, too. Right. Recovered like, nicely, though. He's just like, eh, I drink a lot. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, who doesn't? And, and yes, if you go back and look at the original uh, Five Timers Club sketch with Tom Hanks, when Tom Hanks got inducted with uh, Steve Martin and Paul Simon and uh, uh, a couple other people that I'm forgetting right now. I think Ellie Gould might have been in that as well. Um, it been. Yeah, Conan plays like the doorman in that sketch. And th- this is, of course, when Conan was still uh, just a writer on SNL and before he was known. So it's it's funny to go back and look at that sketch and you're like, hey, look, young Conan O'Brien. Yeah, young Conzy. 
young Conan. Um, so and it's and I understand that Conan was one of the Mulaney's inspirations when he was starting out as an SNL writer. So oh. I think it was pretty meaningful for Conan to be there. I can see that they had the same type of comedic sensibilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, it was it was very fun. I was also very tickled by. You know, that they, of course, have Mulaney take off his jacket and put on his five-timers club blazer. And at the very end of the sketch, as they're, like, pulling back, um, you see uh, Tina Fey, like, go and quickly pick up uh, John Mulaney's jacket and hand it over to a stagehand, which <laughs> I thought that was really nice. Was very like, Look nice. at Tina Fey going on the extra mile. There. Look at him caring about that wardrobe. All right, Tina. All right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so then they end up letting um, uh, Mulaney into the five timers. And of course, it ends with Conan wanting to say live from New York. And it's Saturday night into the camera. And yeah, Mulaney be like, no, no, we already did that, Conan. Yeah. Even though we're in the middle of the show at this point, <laughs> we're like dead in the middle of the show. And Conan's like, don't care, doing it anyway, live from New York. And they even like zoom in on him like they would at the end of a cold open. It was, it was cute. It was, and it gave him a nice ending. Fantastic sketch. Uh, I don't know. After after seeing this, I really hope. I know he hasn't hosted yet because he was busy with his uh, his own little uh, late night talk show. But I really, I really can hope Conan gets a chance to host sometime. Uh, well, he well, no, he hosted before. He hosted, when did he host? Um, um, probably eighteen twenty years ago. What? Um, I think it was when it had to be when he was still on NBC. Um, but yeah, he he hosted. He hosted. Um, I remember him leading people through backstage uh he did one of my favorite sketches of uh, molecular the molecular man um look that up look up conan o'brien molecular son of a bitch uh, you're right wow i stand corrected march yeah march 10th 2001 haha yeah there we go 19 years ago uh right in the middle musical guest don henley Don Henley. Wow. Okay. That's uh, all right. <laughs> That's 2001's a little later than I would have expected Don Henley, but hey, good yeah. for you, Don Henley. Oh, he did Heart of the Matter. <laughs> Ooh. Well, you got to love the Heart of the Matter. Heart of the Matter. Oh, it's a yeah, Light FM staple. All right. I still... Hey, look. I was out on the road today. I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. There it is. And a little voice inside my head said, don't look back. You can never look okay. back. Like I don't know if is it is it not cool to like Don Henley, Henley music and the Eagles? Like what what are your thoughts on that? I know a lot of people say if you like the Eagles and Don Henley, it's kind of a it's kind of a loser thing to do. But um, I, I still like them. I still enjoy them. I'm not. I couldn't listen to them every single day, but I enjoy them for what they are. Okay. Yeah. Maybe uh, I enjoy Don Henley's uh, solo career. I think the End of the Innocence is is a great great album. Okay. Um, yeah, I still enjoy them. I think I think they have their audience. Yeah. Uh, I I remember uh, I remember very distinctly like years ago when I heard that the Eagles were doing like a surprise drop-in concert somewhere, and I mentioned it to like I was discussing it with some of my coworkers, and one of my coworkers had literally never heard of the Eagles. What? She was a younger person. She oh, was all right, all right. African American, so it just it um, wasn't in her wheelhouse all at right. all. Fair enough. It, I'm, it so wasn't her thing. I'm sure she could have named a dozen bands that I had never heard of at that point. So, so no judgment. Team. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, if you're of a certain age, there's some stuff that, like, from that was just before your time. I think we grew up in that era where 
like stuff we know about stuff that was before our time just because there wasn't any internet and no cable really yeah so we were just like would watch and we listened to a fair amount of classic rock stations so, yeah. yeah you became you became very familiar with the last 20 30 years of rock music yeah. right so, yeah exactly we just home alone too we just like watch reruns of old tv shows from like the 50s and 60s so we know about like mm-hmm. You know the Brady Bunch and uh, you know Mr. Ed or the Honeymooners. Or I mean, it was not unusual when we were kids to even find uh, shows like I Love Lucy or The Adventures of Superman from the fifties still in syndication. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I remember clearly watching like I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners. Uh, I was really into Get Smart once we got like cable and like Nick and Knight came on. But yeah, like I you know laughing. I love laughing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, we know about stuff before our time, but like nowadays, I don't think kids have that because like they have the internet and they have all these shows that are geared towards them and their likes in this moment. So like stuff like you know Gilligan's Island, they wouldn't know about. Yeah, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. It's like one of the shows that we watch in our youth um, gets a pretty strong reference in one of the later sketches. Oh, I have thoughts on that. So we're going to get into that. Uh, oh, oh, oh. A TED talk, apparently. So, oh, I'm getting my headset ready. I, I'm wearing my black sweater. <laughs> um, my, okay, my black but, turtleneck. But first, we have our musical guest of the week, LCD Sound System. Uh, they, of course, did two numbers, as SNL musical guests are wont to do. Uh, they did Thrills and Your City's a Sucker, which I understand are both from their debut album, like 17 years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that on the YouTube comments. Uh, I didn't uh, go and verify that, so I'm just taking a YouTube comment at its word. That's interesting. Uh, So, do they not have a new album out? I don't know. Okay, so I take it. I did not really research this. Got it. (laughs) I read a single YouTube comment, and I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. I'll mention that on the podcast." And that was the end of my research. (laughs) And we're done. (laughs) <laughs> and we're done. I've got John Mulaney sketches to rewatch. Uh, yeah, you're, I'm looking at that. You're correct. Both of these songs off their self-titled debut album from 2005. Look at that. Look at that. Um, so yeah, Thrills. Uh, I, I'm, I wasn't too familiar with LCD Sound System. Uh, I, I knew of them. But before this, I don't know if I could have named one of their songs. I know they have like one song that's kind of like synthy. I remember hearing yeah. it like around quite a bit. Like I, I know there's that one song. I believe it's called like New York. You're bringing me down or something like that. Uh-huh. I again, I'm not. I mean, I know I'm. I'm not the biggest LCD Sound System fan. I know they have like a huge fan base and yeah. very New York. I, I kind of dug the stuff they did on this show though. Um, the first number, Thrills, it had uh, this sort of neat industrial sound to it. Um, it's always a little weird when it's a band with that many members. There are like eight people in LCD sound system, and that's like two sets of Beatles. That seems like a lot of people. Yeah, that's like that's like an Arcade Fire, Wu-Tang Clan worth of people. Right. That's more than like BTS. So it's a lot of people for the band. And, you know, you, you've got like two, you've got like two drummers. You've got people on different synthesizers and percussion and st- I think there was a guy in the back who was just checking his email <laughs> um, I'm that, not entirely certain that every person in the band is participating at any given moment. That man is playing Galaga. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I am not 
certain of, that every single person in the band has a function. You didn't think you we noticed, like, but we did. I think you feel like there are a few extra people, like that one guy in the Mighty Mighty Boss tones who just, you know, danced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mighty Mighty. That's another band with just way too many people in it. That's like, is everybody here? Uh, but that's leave? kind of the beauty of it. Yeah, <laughs> kind of, exactly. It's just like a freaking mob scene. <laughs> You see one... and, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's like that one guy's just taking pictures on his Instagram of all this. <laughs> exactly. He's playing an exactly. instrument. I swear to God, there was like one guy in the back. It looked like he was just on a laptop. And I'm like, I bet he's just checking his email. <laughs> so He's just tweeting out on stage with the band. I'm about that life. Hashtag. <laughs> and that would be cool hey if you can get away with that more power to you i say absolutely do what you can uh yes i mean what do you what do you think of lcd sounds but i i i thought they were okay i'm i don't know their music was a little uh, i don't know if i can I, get it i liked them um okay. i enjoyed them i liked the second number your city's a sucker more than the first um i i just thought it was a catchier thing it was you know it had a good hook to it um yeah, yeah, I like them. It's not my usual thing, but I thought I thought they were good. Yeah, like I, I guess it was like more kind of maybe uh, not prog rock, but maybe a little industrial, a little electronica, maybe a little, little techno-y, Yeah, techno-y, yeah. maybe post punk. Too. Yeah, I don't know exactly how you would categorize them. Like I said, the first number sounded very industrial to me. The second number was a little more. I don't know. Poppy's the right word, but it was it was a little more mainstream, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Like I, I mean, I applaud SNL for putting them on because, yeah, their music isn't... I know their music isn't for everybody. It's a little... It can get a little out there and maybe, like, uh -huh. mainstream audiences are like, I don't I don't get this. So, like, I applaud them for putting them on. But, yeah, both these songs, I was like, I don't know if I'm... Uh, I don't know if I'm digging it. Although it's interesting, but I don't know if I quite connected to it. Basically. Okay. Well, it sounds like I dug them a little more than you, and yeah. that's okay. Oh, that's, that is That's okay. Because okay. you're good right. enough, you're smart enough, and God darn it, people like you. Thank you, man. That means a lot. Thank you. All right. So next we got a little thing called Weekend Update with uh, two gents by the name of uh, Colin Jost and Mike Che. Mike Che. Mike Che. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, this is a shorter Weekend Update. No correspondence. Short Weekend Update. Only like six minutes. Yeah, no desk correspondence. No, um, it's just... Che and Joe's telling jokes. And yeah, apparently they, they cut the decks, the desk pieces for this week. I, don't, I guess that was a cut for time thing, or maybe they didn't go over so hot. But apparently this was the first time that they had no desk pieces on updates since 2006. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a long time. Yeah, I, I'll say. It's, it's been a minute. A lot, a lot of callbacks to distant shows of the past. I mean, we, we got the... The, the Blue River dog food. We got uh, Conan O'Brien making an appearance on the show, and we got no desk pieces on update. It's a lot of they're they're testing people on their SNL history knowledge. Right. Everything everything old is new again. Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're on a big nostalgia fest because the, yeah. the the real world very uncertain right now. So Ooh. Let's, let's retreat to the comfort of the past. Let's do the time warp again. Yes. Um, I didn't. I didn't make too too many joke uh, notes about the jokes uh, this week. Uh, they talked about the Ukraine invasion mostly, of course. Um, I liked when uh, Chase said he was asking a Russian friend of his her opinion on this, and uh, she just said, 
Uh, Michael, you no pay me to talk, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good joke. I like uh, Che's joke. Other joke before this, where he's like, "Yeah, this is a what's happening in Ukraine is a very difficult thing to talk about and make jokes of." Like I've seen things like this before in my lifetime, but never to a white country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like that's an uncomfortable truth, but I respect it. Got a real edge to it. Yep, mm. uh, that was good. And uh, they also talked about uh, Biden's new uh, Supreme Court nominee. Uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. <laughs> I, I liked how she had like sort of a scolding look on her face in the photo they pulled. And he said, you know, shown here, uh, not putting up with any of your foolishness. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Uh, and and uh, I believe Joe said, uh, yeah, uh, funny. I thought interviewing black candidates was just for show, said the NFL. Very topical joke. Indeed. Um, hot to, hot to. Darren, Darren, are you familiar with this news story? I am. I'm familiar with it. You can okay. say. So you've heard about this? I've heard about it. Things have happened. Okay. You're Things... familiar? All right. I'm aware. I'm aware. Okay. It's... Okay. Yeah, there's it's... a thing in the NFL. Uh, uh, give it a Google, people. Yeah. Do that. It's uh... Give it a Google. It's, it's worth your time. It's quite interesting. Well, what's the gentleman's name again? I, I can't recall. I believe it's Brian Flores, if I'm not mistaken. Brian Flores. Brian mm-hmm. Flores. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you've heard that name more often than me. I have. I have. Okay. You know, uh, you know, in the news at uh, family functions, I've heard it. Fa- family functions. Yes. So you 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 have a family connection. I just might. To, I just might. Okay. I, I just right. might get, sir. I just might. Interesting. Hmm. Look at me! Look at me being all, all coy and cagey. All right. Well, no time to delve further into that story. Um, no time for love, Doctor Jones. <laughs> oh, and you know, also as as a comic fan, I have to mention uh, they noted the 50th anniversary of Luke Cage, uh, one of Marvel Comics's more notable uh, African American characters. <laughs> and he said, in the 70s, he fought against. Black people's most powerful enemy of the 1970s, lead paint. Wow. <laughs> um, that I, I, w- I was not expecting to hear Luke Cage Power Man get a, get a <laughs> shout out on SNL this week. Uh, that was interesting. Here we are. Yet here we are. <laughs> but I guess, I guess because of the Netflix uh, series, he's more known uh, by the mainstream than he used to be. Yeah, like I don't think, I mean, unless you were like a diehard Marvel fan, I don't think anybody knew about Luke Cage until the Netflix show. Like, I, I certainly yeah. didn't. No, he, he was he was the guy in the, the yellow silk shirt who said Sweet Christmas a lot, and he teamed up with Iron Fist. That's right. So, I don't know. But yeah, all that stuff is going to be on, uh, I guess, Disney Plus in like a few days. Going to Disney in March, yeah. So that's, mm. that's cool. I'll have another chance to... I. I just got so behind so quickly on the, all the Netflix Marvel shows that I still haven't watched most of them. Oh, what haven't stay. you? I, what haven't you seen? Uh, most anything beyond the first season of Daredevil. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I got you know I I I was watching Daredevil. I was enjoying it. It was very good, and uh, it, 2015 was a very uh, busy year for me. I had a lot of family stuff going on. I was flying. Uh, back and forth to my family a lot because my dad was uh, 
not in good shape. Oh. And uh, so, yeah, I, I wasn't able to finish the season. And then before I knew it, it was like, we're on the third season. <laughs> it was just like, oh, my God, I'm never catching up. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I've seen them all. So I'll, I, I can honestly, I could say um, Daredevil is solid throughout. Uh, mm-hmm. Luke Cage, the first season's okay. The second season is... Uh, yeah. You know, a little touch and go. The main thing I know is that Iron Fist is not well recorded at all. Yeah. Because apparently the actor they cast was too lazy to do the proper fright training, so he was just kind of faking it. Yeah, the guy that got to play Iron Fist, he's, it's like you said, he's not really likable, and the way he plays it is kind of, kind of, I don't know, he's he's just like, not great. He, he, was, he was the wrong fit for this, uh, for the role. The second, I'll admit, yeah. the second season was better. But the first season, it's like, oh, this isn't good. <laughs> and uh, I think also I didn't really feel the drive to watch them because even though I know they would reference the movies, the connection didn't go back the other way. And the, you'd never see the movies reference the Netflix shows. But that all changed with a recent uh, Spider-Man a movie. Ooh. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty obscure. I think it's called No Way Home. Never heard. Is that on like uh, Sunday's channel or something? I don't think I've heard of it. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. It's like the it's like the art house Spider Man mm. film. Um, okay. Yeah. To... So check that out. That's uh, that's my tip of the week. Oh, I may have to travel nice. to Brooklyn to see that, where or wherever. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Probably you we'll have to travel out. <laughs> wherever. Well, to to the Montclair uh, right. Theater. That's that's where they show all the art house movies. Yeah, folks, go out to the uh, hipster town of your choice. Go to, and go check out this little art house indie flick called uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. I actually like uh, had an exchange with one of the screenwriters of that movie on Twitter this week. Oh, right I, I got to talk with uh, Chris McKenna a little bit. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I saw some uh, segment that he was doing on uh, YouTube where they were talking about uh, the movie. And in the background, he had a poster for Spider-Man Far From Home, and it was still in the bubble wrap. Ooh. And I was like, Chris McKenna's, what's what's going on with that? Did you like just move, or are you just really bad at getting to things? And he's <laughs> like, yeah, it's, I'm bad at getting to things. I was like, I was away from my office for a few months because of lockdown, and I uh, just still haven't gotten to it. <laughs> All right. No worries. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, he was nice enough to answer my curious question. Okay. Fantastic. So. Uh I guess maybe we should talk about SNL again some more. If we must. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, a weekend update. Not not bad. Uh, some of the jokes. Not I thought... bad. I think. It... Yeah, I thought it was fine. It, it yeah. didn't blow me away, but I thought it was it was decent. Yeah. Like that joke about the double A battery. I thought it was like kind of, eh, that's kind of weak. But, you know, yeah. overall it was so-so. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh-huh. Uh, next, we had uh, a thing called Subway Churro. I think pretty people were pretty much expecting this. Yes, yeah, part of the Do- Diner Lobster Universe, the DLU. Yeah, I mean, this is something that John Mulaney has now done literally every time he's been on SNL, that he's hosted SNL. Uh, he did, of course, Dino Lobster. Then he did Bodega Bathroom. Uh, what was the next one? The uh, Airport. I think so. The airport one that was with, uh, I remember David Byrne made a cameo on that. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal came in too for a bit. It was it was airport sushi, wasn't it? Yeah, airport sushi. Uh, then it was like a souvenir shop, I think. Yeah, we Times, might be reversing those two. Times Square souvenir shop where I think Pete, 
also another thing, Pete wasn't in this episode, which I thought was a little Yeah, Pete odd. wasn't the other guy. It's usually Pete with Chris Red, but yeah. uh this one is it's, it's the new uh the new buck, the new young youngin. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Sweeps. yeah, no Pete in this episode. I don't know why exactly, but uh Yeah, no Pete, no Aristotle. No Aristotle. Although Aristotle did get a shout out from uh L C D sound system at the end of their second number. Oh he did? Yeah, he he went uh, like the lead singer went like you know oh, thank you very much um, so, <laughs> in, in the manner of Aristotle's uh, singer character. Uh, so, thank you, thank you for this. Yeah, no, thank you very much, is uh, Andy Kaufman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I was I was doing my approximation because I didn't remember it, I didn't make a note of it. Got it. So okay, so uh, yeah, so then there was the uh, Times Square souvenir shop. Now it's the subway, subway churro. And we subway have... churro, where Andrew Dismukes uh, wants to buy a subway churro, even though it's very sketchy. Yeah, uh, which is a thing. In if you've ever been in a New York City subway, like you will occasionally see, like a woman selling uh, churros out of like a laundry shopping cart mm-hmm. <laughs> on on a tray covered with like plastic wrap, and yeah. You know, and, and then, with her bare hand with a Starbucks nap. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like it's the most uh, sanitary, but... Uh, I, I like this mute saying, like, look, I just want to have uh, something to chomp on when I'm on my choo-choo. <laughs> I'm a grown man. I want I want a churro for the choo-choo train. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, whenever we describe these sketches, they get so out there, we sound like we're tripping. Uh, but we had, <laughs> we had Keenan coming on as a mole man. <laughs> Uh, he sang the number "Some Disgusting Evening" to the tune of "Some Enchanted Evening." Right. <laughs> uh, then, then we had we talked about because uh, apparently mole men are real. And then they, uh, John Mulaney sings the number "If I Were a Mole Man" uh, to the right. tune of "If I Were a Rich Man" from Fiddler on the Roof. Of course, joined by uh, Hasidic Jews. Yes, <laughs> just dancing in the background. Um, Cecily shows up as a woman on the tracks who's high on bath salts. <laughs> mm, that's right. As uh, she, she sings a song, uh, You're in Midtown, which apparently was based on a song from South Pacific. I didn't quite identify the song. Uh, okay. I, I did like John Mulaney saying like, yeah, uh, can you even do something from South Pacific anymore? <laughs> right. I didn't even know. I didn't, I guess, I, I, I've, I've never seen South Pacific, so I'm assuming it's problematic. I think there are some racial stereotypes in there. I've only seen bits and pieces of the movie. Um, I know that's, I know there's nothing like a dame and I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. Those are probably the two big numbers from that show, but I've never seen the stage show. Oh, interesting. Uh, All right. I should see it someday and, you know, probably see a lot of Caucasian people pretending to be Asian. Ooh. Oh boy. So it's like Mickey Rooney times times 10 it wouldn't surprise me if there was a little breakfast at tiffany's energy in that yeah uh, um breakfast at Tiffany's. A show from like the 50s so yeah i figure there's a better than even chance there's something racist in it yikes uh, yeah so tweet at us and uh, educate me uh, tweet at us at snl nerds show and, and let me know what's problematic about south pacific because i want to learn yeah and i don't feel like going to the wikipedia page right now exactly this is how we learn people asking questions really i think the most amazing thing about the sketch is they built a freaking f train (laughs) they built a moving f train that comes in i mean i was amazed by that 
That I mean, that's the one thing about uh, these big, lavish uh, musical sketches is just that the set design, the work that goes into these things. I mean, good gravy! Like they they built this in a all week. The, Are you kidding me? All the moving parts. I mean, less than a week. I mean, because they start planning the show on Monday, so they're building this like Wednesday or Thursday, I think. Like, how is that possible? I don't know. My my God. SNL production department, you, you deserve everything you're getting. You deserve a raise for this, man. That's right. We'll talk. We'll talk to Lauren. We'll have him bump up your your pay a bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Whatever you got for this episode, it was not enough. Right. Uh, uh, but we had Alex Moffat come off the sliding doors of the F train. But you know, it's not just an inanimate thing in the background. It it's moving. Yes. <laughs> They built a train, people, for your amusement. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Alex Moffat comes on as like the uh, creepy flasher on the subway and he sings uh, Fapping on the on the Train. Right. And it, he's got blurred genitals, which was a nice touch. Very nice. Yeah. It, it almost looked like he wasn't wearing anything, but yeah, he's he's got the blurry genitals. Got the blurry genitals. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, and we, we had Kyle Mooney popping up as Evan Hansen. <laughs> right. We had a LCD sound system as the Guardian Angels. Yes. Yes. I, uh, I, Kate McKinnon as the puddle of unidentifiable origin. Very nice. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't recognize LCD sound system as the Guardian Angels at first. I was like, wait, the, the lead guy looks familiar, but I know that's not Curtis Sliwa because I saw him on campaign commercials all the time. Oh, boy. <laughs> he ran for mayor in New York, uh, did not get elected. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but, yeah, and I also liked how when they came in as the guardian angels, uh, Andrew Smuse looked at them and was like, whoa, it's Emily, Emily in Paris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's got a break. Yeah. Um, and then uh, finally, we have E. Bryant come on as possibly the real Jesus is uh, Jesus Christ with a New York Islanders beer helmet. Right. And then they all start singing a Jesus Christ subway car. Yes. To the tune of Jesus Christ Superstar. That's their big finale. Right. So um, these are still fun, right? I think so. I mean, I, I like I love the work that goes into them. They're definitely yeah. a lot of production value is just like over the it's just, you know. It's just above and beyond what yes. goes into a sketch. I mean, I still find them enjoyable, but again, like I don't think they'll ever they'll ever get to that that first time we saw it, just because it was like so new and so yeah. unexpected. So yeah, I mean, have we reached the end of the line with the Diner Lobster Universe? You think? Oh wow! Should we retire it after this? End of the line, no pun intended. I um, I think so. I think they're still yeah. enjoyable, but. I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll ever reach the, those 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 heights yeah. that we got the first time. At around. this point, I I feel like I wouldn't mind if they retired it or if they at least gave it a break. Yeah. Um, it. I know it is kind of an expectation uh, for whenever Mulaney hosts now, but I, but I feel like five is a good run. I w- I would agree. Like I think it, it. Like I said, they're they're good. They're fun, but they're not like. I, I, they're, they're kind of hitting the same beats, and I kind of can expect yeah. what they're going to do. They're not surprising really anymore, and because I mean, there's so yeah, much time and energy, like there's so much yeah. time and energy that goes into them, 
that they, it takes away time from other sketches. Like we couldn't have a dust I mean, because these are long by definition. This was like seven minutes. Um, right. And and, and, and I, I don't think I would mind if Mulaney did another musical sketch of some kind, like something along the sound and music sketch that he did with uh, Cecily a few years right. back. Um, I mean, I think that was a lot of fun, and that would give me my my John Mulaney sings and dances fix. <laughs> John Mulaney sings. <laughs> John Mulaney sings and dances. <laughs> the songs of Broadway. <laughs> I mean, it, but it is always fun to see John Mulaney let his inner musical theater nerd come out. Um, but well, yeah, it's, no, I it's do enjoy do a it, recurring yeah. sketch this many times and not have it become a little formulaic. Yeah, I think we're getting... I think we're getting diminishing returns at this point. Like it's, yeah. I don't know. Like out, out of all the sketch that, all the sketches that came on last night, I don't think too many people are talking about this one. More people are talking about the five timers. I feel like more people are talking about the next sketch that we'll get into as well. But uh, yeah, I feel like at this point, I think we kind of got our fill of, uh, you know, the 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 DLU, yeah. and maybe it's maybe time to take a pause on it or. Uh, or maybe find just find a new yeah. way to reinvent it at this point. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind if they took a break on this for like the next time or two that Mulaney hosts. And then, and then you know, surprise us all by bringing it back. That would be fun. Agreed. Agreed. Agree. Okay. All right. So uh, next uh, sketch we have is uh, Nickelodeon show, which uh, this was, I, th I think this is one of the things we saw like sort of previewed in the bumper. And I was like, wow, that looks like, it looks like very eighties Nickelodeon. looks like you can't do that on television. Are they doing some sort of, you can't do that on television parody. And uh, I wasn't sure if you would remember, you can't do that on television or not, because you're like, <coughs> you're about five years younger than me. So I thought that might be just enough that you did not grow up on. You can't do that on television. Oh, what? sir, you are mistaken. Okay. I, I lay it on me. Tell me about it. Dude, I Correct love apprehensions. Yeah, yeah. No, I love you can't do that on television. Like I, I remember it very vividly. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, we, you know, we're fortunate to have cable. Uh, you know, I don't ask how my dad uh -huh. got it. We had it, and that's that's all I need to know. And uh, yeah, like I remember watching Nickelodeon all the time. Uh, I watched. There was a bunch of Nickelodeon shows I watched in the early '80s. It was Danger Mouse for sure. It was. I watched uh, the Danger Mouse. Yeah, Danger Mouse. It's still fantastic. Danger Mouse is. Yeah, well, that's, that's Yes, that's another TED talk. But uh, I would watch that. I would watch Pinwheel, uh, Today's Special, and you can't do that on television. And uh, yeah, yeah. It, like I think about it now, it's like, oh yeah, you can't do it on television. That's like one of the earliest sketch comedy shows I've ever watched, and maybe it kind of maybe it influenced me and my love of SNL and other sketch comedy shows like Kids in a Hall. I remember watching. You can't do that on television as a kid. And my mom saw a little of it and she was like, oh, this kind of reminds me of laughing because like, you know, she remembered laughing from right. her younger days. And I think that was the first place I'd ever heard of laughing. And then a few years later, uh, old episodes of laughing were played on Nickelodeon. So I got a feel for that show. Right. Well, I mean, um, they, they even have the thing where they come out of their lockers and tell jokes to each other, like laugh and have oh, that, yes. that, that big yeah. joke wall where they pop out. Right. Yeah, I remember that. Now, I know that the big recurring thing was that people would get green slime on them whenever they would say, I don't know. But what what was it? They also dumped water on people. What would they dump? What would they say to have water dumped on them? I can't I couldn't remember that. Uh, yeah, that's just water. 
If oh, you, whenever they said water. Okay. Yeah. It was All like right. a thing where, like, if you say water, you get water dumped on you. If you say, I don't know, you get green slime. And this, this is where the whole, you know, getting dumped with green slime thing originated. It still had, you know, I think kids of today, these, these young folks, I think they know Nickelodeon is associated with green slime, but I don't think they know right. the origin story of it, like where it came from. And yeah, because that's a thing that Nickelodeon continued on, like their award shows and stuff. I think they got they had green slime on that. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but and, like, uh, yeah, but, there, there had to be green slime on Double Dare at some point. Probably, yeah. I would, I would think so. But yeah, but I, I, I think I, I mean, I even think uh, you can't do that on television predates. Double Dare, so maybe like, like oh, it does, it totally does. Yeah, so, yeah. Double Dare didn't start until like I think the very late eighties or early nineties. Right, that's another one um, of my uh, go tos. I love Double Dare, but yeah, like it, so, so they, they present this sketch as a like a documentary called Behind the Slime, um, and they're flashing back to a nineteen eighty episode of You Can't Do That on Television. We've got Chris Red as Nick Cannon and Alex Moffat as Mark Summers, uh, former Double Dare host. Right. And uh, yeah, it's them introducing all these old clips of, you know, um, of uh, you can't do that on television about how in the early days they had trouble figuring out the consistency of the slime just to get it just right. Yeah. Uh, cut to a scene of Cecily and uh, Melissa as 80s kids, uh, yeah. you know, and of course, and before this, um, Nick Cannon, played by Chris Reds. Says like you know you gotta remember it took place in the eighties in Canada so everybody's super white and you yeah. know TV in the eighties was crazy. And by the way, the wig they put on Cecily, it made her like a dead ringer for one of the you can't do that on television kids. Like I, I think the, I think the girl's name was Tracy. Was it? And she was like one of the main kids on that show. Yeah, but, I know one of them was like Christine, but everybody called her Moose. Like I remember, like oh yeah, I remember Moose. I remember Moose. Yeah, I know yeah. Alanis Morissette was a regular at some point. I yes. think briefly, but yeah, yes, yes, she was. It was her. There was a kid named Alistair, which always there was like a interesting name for a kid, and yeah. very British name for a yeah. Canadian show. Yeah, I, I like... there was there was that adult actor who played the janitor and yeah. the, uh, the the TV uh, stagehand guy. Oh yeah, uh, Ross Roth. Something like that. Yeah, and yeah. a cook. He he was a cook at the cat at, at the cafe they went to, and his name was Barf. I right. Think. What do you think's in the burgers? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, they Funny. did all sorts of gross stuff. But anyway, Cecily's wig dead on. Uh, they nailed they nailed that early eighties look. Um. So yeah. So originally, like they they're, they're dropping buckets on the kids' heads instead of slime, giving them concussions. Uh. Yeah, I uh, think John Mulaney and Sarah Sherman, they're getting blasted with the slime uh, from underneath instead of it being dumped from above. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, like at one point they, because like they're experimenting, trying to figure out the slime. And like you said, they're like yeah. at one point, John, Manelli, John Mulaney gets shot like out of a cannon and hit with yeah. some uh, green. He looked like genuinely shocked. <laughs> like when that when that green slime hit he him, he says Jesus Christ, and some people were theorizing that that was like an actual ad lib. Like he he gets hit very hard, and he's like, "It's like all my needles are hitting my face." <laughs> like he looked like he was about to say shit, but he said, "Jesus Christ!" Uh, he, his teeth were green after that happened. He got hit hard. Yeah, um, he was not expecting that. It was not, and they hit him like three times in a row. Um, 
By the way, John Mulaney was reading a copy of The Amazing Spider-Man number 194, which uh, for you comic book aficionados in the audience, first appearance of the Black Cat and a period accurate comic. So whoever figured that out, uh, they actually grabbed a comic book from 1979. So kudos to you for that. Uh, Mm. Thank you for doing that. Wow. So maybe this sketch is MCU canon. Is that what you're trying to say right here right now? Uh, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was accurate to the time period they were depicting, which is okay. always nice because you, otherwise you get like Radar or Riley reading an issue of the Avengers in 1950s Korea. And that doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's always nice when whoever is doing the set dressing doesn't just grab a generic comic yeah. under the the thought that like, oh, it's a comic book. They all look the same. No, nope. no, we nope. can we can tell when you get a comic book from the wrong period. And I love it whenever they get something period. Right. Yeah. When, Even though they ruined the issue by yeah. covering it with green slime. Yikes. I hope that wasn't a collectible. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the black cat's first appearance, so it's gotta be worth something. Ooh, boy. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Twitter account that I did it, uh, that I retweeted said like, I hope that wasn't a genuine copy that they ruined. And I was like, well, Hey, look at it this way. All the other copies of Amazing Spider-Man number one ninety four just increased in value. Yeah. Okay. I, I imagine like somebody from the from the staff like borrowed their their brother's copy, and when they got it back, they had to like put it back in the sleeve and hope it, brother didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no way that's salvageable. <laughs> Brother's like, no what way. the fuck <laughs> happened to my comic? <laughs> Um, uh, what else do we have in the sketch? We had we had Kyle and Mikey as a duo. They they were getting like a steady, a steady stream of slime poured on them, and they were and when they come back from that sketch, they they're saying, uh, yeah. After that, they shortened the the slime time from six minutes to six seconds. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't, I thought this was pretty great. Like, uh, I mean, you know, this, this was fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, you know. Nickelodeon nostalgia aside, like I, I dug this sketch. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know, like the parts where eighty would come in as like sort of the stagehand that was working on the slime. I don't know if it needed that. That I don't know. That yeah, it... yeah, I could have done without that. That's uh, yeah, it seemed unnecessary because like we're also cutting back to Chris and Alec. Yeah, or Alex um, uh, hosting. Yeah. Commenting on it. So yeah, I don't know if we need. Yeah, we don't need two sets of people commenting on what just happened. Exactly. Then we had like you know Chris and Alex uh, back and forth was good. Apparently there was yeah. looked like there was some issue with uh, Chris's mustache that wouldn't stay he, on. Like, he pulls it off at one point and then puts it back on, which was kind of funny. Yeah. I liked how he just rolled with it. <laughs> just like rips off his mustache right off his face. Yeah. And oh, shout out to Chloe Feynman for neatly avoiding the slime when Kyle and Mikey were getting. <laughs> we're getting just pummeled with it. Um, I don't know if she realized she was on camera or not. We see her like just sort of standing to the side and just cracking up. Uh, I got to watch that it again. Was... I missed that. Uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, but <laughs> that was fun. I mean, this was the last thing most of the actors in this sketch did, <laughs> understandably, because a yeah. cleanup must have taken a while. Right. I mean, we even see as... Um... John Mulaney is introducing LCD sound system again for the second performance. He's still just straight up covered in the green goop. And yeah, yeah, like, that was fun. Yeah, that, that was, was fun. It was a nice little visual. I dug that. I, it's fun when you see people still in their costumes at the good nights or when they're introducing the band. Uh, yeah, 
I always enjoy that. Yeah, it's far out. And, and by the way, there was also apparently dirty, nasty, hardcore Double Dare at some point in Double Dare's history. Mm. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's on YouTube. You may have to uh, to go to uh, Pornhub for that. You got to go to the dark so, web. Hey. Yep. So, if you're into that, again, we're not going to kink shame. You do whatever you want with that dirty, super sloppy, nasty double dare. <laughs> yep. Um, so, last sketch of the night. Anyway. This was a fun one. Uh, yeah, and, and this next one was a fun one. This was called uh, Cupid Shuffle. Again, a callback to another John Mulaney sketch uh, where they did the cha-cha slide. This was apparently written by uh, Brian Tucker. Right. And, uh, yeah, so it's basically sort of the same premise as um, that sketch that John Mulaney was last in. Um, but mm-hmm. this time it's a family reunion where um, John Mulaney and Ego and Wodum, we, we could see Ego. Mm-hmm. He's like, the first time she's been the whole show, what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And uh, she was his girlfriend in the last time they did this in the Cha Cha Slide, but apparently since then he's put a ring on it. She's his wife now. Hey. <laughs> uh, so they're going to the Robinsons family reunion and they're dancing to the Cupid's Shuffle. And yeah, the joke is John Mulaney thinks he's going to be very uncomfortable and out of place, but he's acclimating better than Ego is. Right. She he has the uh, the T-shirt that everybody else is wearing. Ego doesn't. He knows. All the steps to the cha-cha slide, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. People come up to him saying, "Hey, man, how's, how you doing?" You know, it's, it's, and um, how's it going, man? How's it been? Um, then they talk about things like I think uh, Punky comes up to him one point talking about how this thing in a hospital. It's like, yeah, we're in this nice in uh, the hospital. Hospital, Jesus, this hotel. And uh-huh. uh, Punky's like, yeah, this is a nice hotel, but they ain't got no washcloths in there. And of course, Molina's like, you use it. You don't use no washcloths. That's nasty. Which of course is, <laughs> yeah. and of course. Um, Mulaney says, yeah, I'll see you at Essence Fest. We got, <laughs> I got tickets to the Ilya Fix My Life, Ilya Van Zandt show. <laughs> All very, you know, black, uh, you know, very black-centered type of events and things that, like, he seems to have right. a good hold on. Right. And he he somehow has all these connections with the community, but he was also L.L. Bean's customer of the year, <laughs> which... Right. I remember my family ordering stuff from L.L. Bean when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. My parents, I got a backpack from L.L. Bean. Like, uh, from there. I mean, but that is just a great way to say, like, this person's really, really white, you guys. (laughs) How can I say I'm white without saying I'm white? Um, Other things I liked about this sketch, um, I liked, I, I honestly like how they're making fun of the culture clash or they're observing the culture clash. But they're not really making fun of either side of it. Right. I mean, the joke is like how well he he's, he, you know, he's right up. <laughs> he, he's right up to the moment with everybody, with everybody on this stuff. And everybody just accepts him and stuff. I like how supportive Ego is. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, Ego's like a really good girlfriend in these sketches. <laughs> She's yeah. like, oh, honey, it's going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah, and like uh, Mulaney just in step with everybody. He knows how to, he knows yeah. all the dance moves. He knows how to play spades. Uh, right. You know, he talks about how these wild ass kids ain't got no home training. You know, things yeah. like, a lot yeah. of things like that. Um, I, I, really, I, I like that Ego's wearing very sensible shoes for the sketch where she's going to be dancing. She's just wearing a nice, sturdy pair of sneakers. Um, I also feel like Keenan might have missed his calling as a party DJ. He's he's really good as the party DJ in these sketches. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he was in another life. He was a DJ. 
Could have been, could have been. I know Paul Rudd used to work as a as a party DJ. There is footage of him Ooh. working uh, like bat mitzvahs in uh, late eighties, early nineties. And go Google that if you have yeah. not seen Paul Rudd working as a DJ. Those are the ones where he's wearing like a tuxedo jacket with like cargo shorts and uh, a pair of right. Converse sneakers. And he's got like that early nineties sort of floppy hair. Um, and he's you know they're they're doing limbo games and stuff and. Yeah, it is something to see. It's it's where Paul Rudd developed all his dance moves. Oh my God, moves like Jagger. <laughs> so uh, I thought this was good. This was a fun way to end out the night. I don't think it was as good as the original Cha Cha Slide sketch. Again, oh. you don't have the thrill of the new. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree with you. Like I I dug it, but yeah, it's like it's sort of a carbon copy of the first time. Like you said, it doesn't feel new. Mm-hmm. I felt like this should have been up earlier in the show. I'm not sure why they put it at the end. It also feels like it got cut short too for time so i don't know part of me thought they had maybe they had just enough time to get in enough of the sketch but not all of it so they just put it in there at the end maybe that's what maybe i wonder i mean the the show has to be just rigidly timed so i wonder how much like between dress and air they go oh you got to cut two minutes out of this or or whatever um yeah i know they got to be scrambling between dress and air so right and, uh, yeah, yeah must be. But uh, really, this episode just flew by for me. I was shocked when the show ended after this. I was like, uh, "Yeah, like." Uh, I mean, and, and it flew by in in the best way. It was. I thought it was a great show. I thought not a stinker in the bunch. Yeah, no. I mean, everything I at least liked, and that is so rare that there's never. There didn't seem to be any dead areas in the show, which. Pretty exceptional. I'd say best of the season so far. Um, I, I'll go with that. Yeah, like I thought it was a strong episode. I was. It's it's weird to say this show had such a great energy to it, especially with the with such a somber way to start it. But like uh-huh. a, after the you know very respectful cold open, the energy on the rest of the show was like really was really kicking. Like you know, I yeah. mean, mo- yeah. monologue, monkey trial, blue river. Uh, you know, five timers club. It was like, bang, bang, bang. Like I really enjoyed the energy and yeah. the, the momentum of this show. I thought I thought it was really strong. Yeah, everything was vibing, the kicking. I mean, the Nickelodeon. And, I mean, it's also you like you know you're in good hands with Mulaney because like because he's hosted the show four times before. He's got a few go to bits like this. He's got like the mm-hmm. diner lobster type sketches. He's got the the cha cha slide thing now. He's, you know, the monologue is going to be great. So, right, yeah, you're you're operating at an advantage right away. You know, like you're you're two steps ahead of the game. Uh, so, yeah, I never worry when John Mulaney is hosting. No, it's when when Mulaney when Mulaney hosts, I just kick back, relax, and know you're in for a good show. You're in good hands mm. with John Mulaney. That's right, like Allstate. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, lot, really fun show. Uh, there were also a couple cut for time sketches that are up on YouTube now. They really posted the YouTube the sketches up on YouTube uh, faster than usual this week. Yeah, they were up inside of an hour. Wow, I didn't even notice that. Like after the show, I just went pretty much straight to bed. Yeah, after, I know. You know, I mean, after tweeting out a few things, I was like, "All right, I'm right. I'm falling after, asleep." After not using the SNL nerds Twitter uh, account, as I specifically requested you to. Here we go. Uh, no, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired and I'm lame, and I don't want to do the bit that you clearly established the rules for. I'm an old man. I need my sleep. 
Well, that's okay. That's all right. Okay, fine. My body's weary. I'm old. I'm so tired. All right. Okay. All right. Now you're going into Adam Sandler voice. I'm so tired. Oh, but It's so sleepy. I'm so sleepy. Anyway, we had two cut for time sketches, a podcast set and family band. Uh, what do we think of these? Uh, family band. I can see why it got cut for time. I thought it was yeah, all... that, that was my reaction too. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I mean, I like the fact that you know it was like as a sketch basically built around the idea, or not the idea, but like the the memory of um, swing music being such a big thing in the late nineties, mm-hmm. which it yeah. was. Like if you're around the late nineties, you remember like. Oh yeah, big swing music made this huge. Ninety eight, ninety nine. Uh, there was a Gap commercial. The movie Swingers came out, and then suddenly Brian Setzer's everywhere, all up in everybody's business. And yeah, yeah it's just and and yeah, we've we've got like you know nineteen twenty style swing music everywhere. Yeah, I do, I re- and, and that was cool. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was fun. I didn't. I wasn't like going out and cutting a rug, but I was enjoying the music. Yeah, like I remember like around that time I was working at the Virgin Megastore. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, it was like when that Gap commercial came out and it was uh, the Louis Prima song, Jump, Jive, and Well. And I right. I distinctly remember us being sold out of the Best of Louis Prima album for like a good two months. Like two, yeah. three, like people were buying that Louis Prima album for a while. And I mean, swing music was so big. Like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy played the Super Bowl, like around that time. Did they? They did. They played the Super oh my Bowl. God. Look at wow. I, I I didn't realize that. <laughs> either it was Big Bad Voodoo Daddy or Cherry Poppin' Daddy. It's one of the daddies. But they played one of those two. One of those two. They played um, the Super Bowl. And I was like, this Are is... they actually different bands? I don't know. Science does not have an answer to that question yet. We don't we don't have the technology. <laughs> yeah. No, we just, oh, I pissed off all the swing music aficionados <laughs> now. <laughs> Some guy with a soul patch is going to come after me. Hey, cool it there, daddy-o. I ain't like, I ain't like what all, all that jibber-jabber you're talking about swing music there, hepcat. Um, I mean, but but this was fun. We had uh, John Mulaney, Kyle, and Andrew Dismukes as a band, and Heidi is, like, introducing her date, uh, played by Mikey, to her brother's band. And, yeah, and they're just very retro. Yeah, I think you put it well. I like the idea of this, but I can see why it was cut. I didn't think it ever really rose above okay. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, exactly. And uh, podcast set. This one I liked a little bit more. I kind of wish they kept it mm-hmm. in. Uh, the premise is basically it's a pre-tape, like I said, and it's um it's by Fisher Price. It's a sort of a play toy podcast set for uh, white guys to podcast and tell all their horrible thoughts. <laughs> to into a toy microphone so they you know so they don't get fired like you would yeah, if they, it's not recording yeah. yeah so they can say all these heinous things and ooh they went way joe rogan on it. way joe rogan like it opens with um uh with uh john mulaney and the rest of the guys at his job you know wishing him well because he just got fired for something he said on a podcast and like it's like yeah i guess you just can't say what you want to on podcasts anymore and i and um Dismukes had that one line that, that was like, whoa, where it's like, yeah, you can't say what you want. I mean, you can't even say the N-word to describe a person anymore. Is that where we're at now? Yep. <laughs> Woo! Sad but true. Coming in hot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the basic uh, the premise of this um, 
sketch is that you know white people need white white men need white yes. straight white men need a podcast yes. to tell to talk tell it how it is and to get their horrible thoughts out but they can't do that on podcasts because they get fired well now you have this um fisher price podcast toy sets so and i can get it all out there it comes with an inflatable co-host that agrees with everything you say okay now was the the face on the inflatable co-host was that dane cook because it looked like dane cook to me oh i didn't even notice it i just thought it was it reminded me of like uh that inflatable pilot from airplane i didn't even notice the face i i, I couldn't tell for sure i was like looking at it i was like that maybe is dane cook but maybe it's just a a person's face that looks like Dan Cook. I honestly wasn't sure. Mm, I, I got got to go back to the videotape. Yeah, and I don't know if Dan Cook. I know, as far as I know, I don't think Dan Cook got canceled for saying something heinous. No, he, no, he's kind of laying low. He hasn't said anything. Yeah, maybe, but maybe he has, and I'm unaware of it. Maybe that's past me. But mm. I don't know. I Ooh. can't keep up with everybody who's gotten canceled. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, and then later on in the sketch, I talk like I do like a few lines that John Mulaney has where he's talking to the toy microphone, saying, "You know, in some ways, I'm a lot blacker than Colin Kaepernick." And uh, mm-hmm. he, he hits a button, and the inflatable coast is like, "Ha ha, you're right. You tell it like it is, man." Right. <laughs> and of course, he has lines like, "You know, hey, I'm just saying, I'm doing my own research before I put anything like that vaccine in my body." And anyway, right. our sponsor is, uh, you know. Hard dyn- hard uh, rhino uh, male enhancement pills. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't are. know what's in this stuff, but it works. Uh, yeah, and then they cut to um, Heidi as Mulaney's wife saying, "What are you doing down yeah. here?" And it's like, "No, I'm just talking to a toy microphone. It's not recording at all." And then Heidi's like, "Wait, but you have a live stream up with that camera pointing at you, and you're you are recording this." And he was like, <laughs> "Well, I gotta boost my follower count." <laughs> I like this sketch. I, I wish they kept it in. I liked it too. I liked it too. I thought it was very uh, well done, uh, you know, nicely observed, uh, quick. It's only like two and a half minutes. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, this was the winner. I wish they kept it in, but, you know, such is life. I wish they kept it in. I don't know what they would have asked to uh, put it in, though. Mm. So, I, I would have been okay with them taking out the uh, Blue River for this, but that's just me. Wow. That's okay. just me. Hey, look, hey, okay. Man. You're going to cut a Sicily. Strong dog sketch. That's what we're gonna do on our first week back. Hey man, hey man, tough to, your history's greatest monster. T- tough decisions have to be made, man. All right, and I, if somebody, if I, somebody has to make them. All right. Okay, yeah. you're gonna have to look into that adorable pug dog's face and yeah. tell him you're cutting his sketch. This planet resources are finite. <laughs> and then, and then, John Mulaney's monkey judge is going to throw sand at you. Establish dominance. If that was that's what it has to be, so be it. I have to make the hard choices. I'm like Thanos. Okay, fine. All right, but uh, yeah, really good show. Best of the season, I think. I would, I would, yeah, it's definitely up there. Like, I, I got to go back and look all the other episodes. Uh, I mean, I still really dug. No, just agree with my opinion. Oh, uh, yeah, you got it, man. You just, you pressed the red button on your uh, podcast set. Ha-ha. You're right, yeah. John. You got it, man. You tell them the truth. That's right. That's right. I'm a white man. You have to agree with everything I say. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, that's our episode, guys. As always, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, thanks again for listening. And um, maybe we should go to our, our, our the Twitters because we tweeted out as always. Let's let's tweet. Let's 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 read the tweet. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Let's, let's see what what's what's going on. What did the on the, on the Twitter sphere? What did the people so, say about do this? Do people have thoughts? Do people have comments? 
Okay. Did they share those thoughts and comments with us? Yes. Uh, well, here we got one. Uh, Mikey at mm-hmm. space Mikey space. Love love the fun energy of this show that everyone seemed to have and clearly became an instant classic. The moment we saw Cecily in a dog heavy sketch. All right, fine. See, um, see, damn it, Mikey. That's what I'm talking about. Who said mm-hmm. he? Who said he was on, Mikey? Make me look the fool here. <laughs> uh, overall, it felt like a typical Mulaney show, which is a good thing, and so weird but refreshing to see Conan back on NBC. You know, I, I saw a few people remarking on that of how strange it was that Conan would appear back on NBC. But I mean, Conan's pointed out a few times before anyone who is involved with his the whole Tonight Show debacle is long gone from NBC. Like Jeff Zucker was, I think, the big mastermind, quote unquote, behind that. And yeah, he's been gone for from NBC for quite a while. Yeah, I think. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, I don't think Conan really has any reason to bear any grudges against anybody from NBC at this point. Yeah, so, I would say I would say that, too. I think enough time has passed where it's like, yeah, yeah, it, it was what it was. It wasn't great. It was unfortunate, but it's uh, it's in the past now. So, yeah, let's. Uh, and, and I think Conan will also be the first to say he has way more good memories of NBC than bad. I mean, yes, it was horrible at the end and they screwed him over royally, but. I mean, he had 16 years of late night and all those years at SNL before that. So, right, yeah. he, he spent like two decades of his career there. So, absolutely, yeah. I, I don't think he has much reason to be cross with NBC at this point. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so we also got one from a boardman gets paid. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, longtime listener, fifth time caller. As per usual, ah, thank you. As, boardman gets paid. <laughs> as per well. as per usual, I did not catch it live, but it looks like. This was a dope episode. That's it. Just happy to be here. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Boardman Gets Paid. And again, we think you should be Lee Hot He Lion. Right. I think that's much catchier. Um, I know that's not the way your Twitter handle is supposed to break down, but uh, you should change it. Yes. <laughs> um, next, we have uh, my old culture mate, uh, Scott Hume at MNS Hume. Uh, as much as I loved the You Can't Do That on Television sketch and the Subway musical sketch, my favorite of the night was the dog food commercial. God damn it! I see the ad it's based on almost every day, and this was a perfect parody of that dumb and snooty ad. Uh, I haven't looked up any of the real Blue Buffalo commercials. I don't think we get them quite as much in our area of the country. Um, but yeah, we should check that out. All right, fine. I won't get rid of the Blue River. <laughs> That son of a bitch. All right. Well, I, I misread the, the room. people have spoken. I really misread the room on this one. Whoa. <laughs> I love this. And we did not plan this out. So I'm, I am loving this. This, this, this went horribly. Um, and lastly, uh, I don't think we've gotten a comment from this person before. They're, they're called Tired and their Twitter handles. Please stop 2022. Uh, agreed. Um says, love this episode, three exclamation points. A good blend of the cast, though I'm sad I didn't see Aristotle. Yeah, he was missing from this episode. Outside of the uh, LCD sound system shout out, I don't think he was represented at all, which is too bad. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, you know, maybe he wasn't there this week for whatever reason. Who knows? Mm, maybe. Um, good blend of the cast. Uh, a good musical sketch with some good singing very funny in my opinion beautiful cold open and cecily is back 
That's glad, what it is. Bat, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah. Glad uh, Please Don't Destroy got on, too. Wish the weekend update features had made it, but hopefully Melissa will get it on soon. Hopefully. Uh, I, I hope he... I hope Tired is talking about Melissa getting a segment on update and not, you know, her getting it on. Oh, the coitus. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that she should be getting it on, you know, if she chooses to. Do you, so. do, you do you, girl. Yeah. I, Melissa, uh, the SNR, I hope you are getting all the sex you want in, in precisely the amount <laughs> and method that you want. That is our, you deserve it, I think. that is our wish for you here at the SNL Nerds. Yes, and also more guest segments on update. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's... in whichever order you prefer. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's our episode, guys. Thanks again for listening, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, we should should we? Wow, we've been going on for almost two hours. Um, I was gonna say, should we mention the new writers, or just like wrap and talk about that next week? Oh yeah, they, they did announce that they have uh, new writers this week. I don't have their names handy. Uh, I right now. I got them up right now. Uh, all right, all right. mommy. All right, we got Claire O'Kane, a yes. writer who wrote on Shrill, which was of okay. course was um Eddie Bryant's show. We got yes. Nicole Sun, was a yes. writer. All right, go Nicole. Writer on uh, Doctor Ken and AP Bio. Yeah! Oh, love AP Bio. Great, great show. So I immediately like her. Yeah, and uh, the one I recognize, uh, New York comedian Rosebud Baker is a new writer on the uh, on the staff. Uh, she wrote. Nice. Yeah, she she appears. She she performed in New York City all the time. You can always see her at the Cellar or in other shows. Uh, she, she. That's the Comedy Cellar for for those of yeah. you who aren't you know. Don't go into a random in the know New York hipsters. Yes, I I, I just call it the Cellar because you know I'm, I'm in the know. Uh, yes. She was also wrote on That Damn Michael Che, Michael Che's show on HBO Max. She was also on um, nice. like that. Pause with Sam J, Sam J's show mm-hmm. on HBO Max. She was on um, Bill Burr's show on Comedy Central, The Ringers. And she has an uh, hour-long special on, a Comedy Central special on YouTube called uh, Whiskey Fist, which you can watch. And she's really funny. She's really, she's pretty hilarious. And I don't know, if guys, look at a picture of her, because I really think she looks like a young Jane Curtin. I don't know if I'm alone in this, but I don't know. I, I get strong young Jane Curtin vibes, but uh, okay. yeah, either way, new writers, uh, welcome aboard, and uh, we'll hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll see more of your work in the future. I think it's cool that uh, it's three female writers. Um, right. You know, bringing a little more balance to the writer's room. I don't know what the breakdown is, but, you know, hopefully it's 50-50 or close to it. Hopefully. That'd be nice. And, you know. Hopefully. That's cool. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, hey, congrats on the writing gigs, guys. Hope to see more of you, and uh, we'll, let's, 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 let's go get them. Yeah, Stop. go get them. All right, ready? Break! Yay! Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you can follow us on uh, Twitter, and, yeah, tweet at us, comment at us, all that fun stuff, at SNL Nerds Show. You can also follow our individual accounts. I, for instance, just throwing it out there, I'm at Trumbull Comic. Uh, that's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and then the word comic. I'm at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. Twitter, Instagram, I'm on it mm. all the time. Tweet at me. Yeah. Does, you know, he I, has no life, people. None. Not at all. Just I'm just I'm just staring yeah. at walls, just twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> so, I mean, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for rating, reviewing, and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah. 
uh, give us give us a nice review on the Apple Podcast. We haven't had uh, one of those to read in a little while, so yeah. So, uh, and I'm just going to check real fast to make sure that there hasn't been a, a brand new review that I I haven't seen yet. Right. So, uh, so yes, and then join us again next week when we talk about the episode with a guest host Oscar Isaac and um, mm-hmm. musical guest Charlie XCX. Yep. Yeah, she's getting to uh, make up her appearance that she missed uh, from the Paul Rudd show. So that'll be fun. Yeah, and uh, Oscar Isaac, amazing actor. I really liked him in. Um, well, inside Lewin Davis, uh, ex, mm-hmm. ex Machina, he's dude's dude's the real deal. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do here. Yep, should be good. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Any new reviews or any new review? Oh no, okay. no nothing. Nothing. Didn't didn't find a thing. Son of a bitch. All right. Well. Yep. All right. So I guess we're just gonna end it on a non climactic note then. Well, I mean, no, we're we're gonna start up our uh, swing revival revival band. You know, we're we're gonna go out with some uh, some fun swing music. So, mm-hmm. enjoy that. Or we'll just go out with our regular closing theme. It's really it's really up to Super Producer Frank Ablawi. We'll see what he feels like, and we'll all be surprised together. Maybe it's playing right now. I don't know. Is what I'm saying. And we're, we'll be just as surprised as you are, listeners. Right. Right. Um, you know, that's that's really something that he does. Um, so we'll see you next week for Oscar Isaac and uh, Charlie XEX. But until then, nerd out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.